Welcome to another episode of Awe and Wonder podcast from the Special Education Technology Center. This series is our second series called Leaders and Changemakers. And I'm Sarah Kinsella. And, and I'm Brenda Del Monte. And today we're so excited to have Cassie Sementelli with us. And Cassie is a leader and changemaker. Can you um, introduce yourself, Cassie, for us? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I'm a speech and language pathologist. I've been working in the field of augmentative communication and assistive technology uh, for <laughs> 30 plus years. Um, a variety of different settings uh, from uh, hospitals and clinics to private practice and school districts and serving um, individuals, you know, preschool through adult. Mm-hmm. And right now, where what are you doing right now? Right now, I'm the uh, Augmentative Communication Program Manager for Beaverton School District, which is um, the second largest school district in the state of Oregon. Okay. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. It was <laughs> second largest. Okay. So Beaverton. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, we're really excited. I'm excited to hear from you. Um, we have some some questions lined up, but I know Brenda um, knows you and has told me about um, your role in mentorship. So we're particularly excited to hear about that today. Um, we, we've been starting these podcasts with a question that's student focused because um, that's what it all comes down to, right, is the students. So we wondered, is there a particular student in your career who has inspired you? Um, maybe to do more or it's kind of your why you do yeah. this? Yeah. Um, you know, there have been many students who've had a significant impact on my practice. Um, and I think, you know, each of them kind of have a piece in there because it it's a factor of where we entered each other's orbit. Mm -hmm. You know, it's sort of in my learning curve and then whether they were, you know, entering middle, middle school or going to a transition program or, and it was just the confluence of, of their learning and my learning that kind of um, came together and it really kind of opened my eyes and changed my awareness. But, you know, if you made me pick one, um, it would be mm -hmm. April. Um, and this is a young woman who um, not, not so young woman anymore, but when I uh, first met her, um, it was my first opportunity, my first experience to support a student um, in a full inclusion program. Oh, and she okay. entered as a full inclusion kindergartner. And this was many years ago when that wasn't um, a very common practice. What um, year was that? Oh, God, now you're going to make me. <laughs> I, <laughs> Approximately. Wow. Um, well, based on how old she is now, I'm going to guess it was maybe like 2000. Okay. okay. So that wasn't okay. happening then. No, 1990, no. somewhere between 98 and 2000, I'm guessing. Okay. Is when, okay. When, wow. When it would have been, um, happening and, you know, I'd work in different environments, clinics, hospitals, um, and, it opened my eyes to um, in that general ed classroom is where it really matters and where it really happens. It didn't happen, mm -hmm. you know, in my room one-on-one -on -one or two-on-one -on -one or in a small group with her. It um, it mattered in that classroom for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and so that really helped me understand a little bit more about um, how to, how to identify or how to evaluate whether or not 
um, they have all the tools they need, right? And mm -hmm. to see the holes, to see the holes where what I had thought was a pretty, pretty darn well done communication system had a lot of holes in it. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to scramble and work really hard to sort of fill those to make sure that she had the opportunities that she needed in that classroom. Um, she also taught me, you know, she, um, that um, you have to put in the work to understand the family dynamic and the culture. Mm -hmm. um, oh, she, right. she was from a different culture than mine. And um, I didn't, you know, it made me understand that um, she didn't need to sound like me in, mm. in her talker. Um, mm -hmm. And that, you know, the things that I um, thought were, were important to include um, were less important um, mm -hmm. to her in her world and in, in her day-to-day um, um, life and that there were pieces that had I not put in the time and the effort to understand her and her family and and to kind of get to know some of those things that were April's life outside of school um, mm -hmm. that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to sort of say well gosh let's put them in your talker and let's make sure you have the opportunity to to talk about that um, right and and like I said it's and I learned to appreciate that you have to sort of open yourself up to put in the time. Um, mm -hmm. It's not the time that is designated, you know, 30 minutes twice a week on their IEP, right. but, but uh, you need to be able to, to, to share in that um, and it helped me understand ways in which I could maybe get that information um, and have that connection with her, you know, her family and her community that was, that was outside the school environment. Right. And that, and that's what makes it meaningful yeah. communication, meaningful. She wants to talk about what she's interested in right. and the way she's doing it. I'm so, I love that you brought that up and I'm curious what, what are some ways or some tips and tricks that you've come across that to give you that time or to, to make those connections with families that when you're busy in school and you, like you said, you have the time allotted in her um, therapy time is not, <laughs> is not all the time you spend thinking about right, these kids. Right. Um, you know, that's sort of changed over time. I think um, that's probably getting easier to do with so many um, electronic and, and media ways of sort of connecting with families and people, you know, um, tricks I use now is, is, um, you know, fend them on, uh, Facebook and sort of see some of the pictures and things that par mm -hmm. the parents sort of post up there of things that their family has done, places their family has gone. Um, right. you know, I, I, um, I do, whether this is a good practice or not, I'm not sure. So, but what, <laughs> I often, when I'm um, sitting with a student and um, I will um, sort of uh, take a notation on my phone and mm -hmm. then I'll send an email to the family and say, hey, you know, during our session today, so-and-so, um, I think they were talking about X, Y, or Z, you know, um, just just double checking with you. Is that something that, that actually, you know, happened in your family? Or can you tell me more about that? Right. Um, just sort of take that notation based on the little windows that I hear or see mm -hmm. um, coming from the student that they don't have the capability at the moment to elaborate on that or to give me the full perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so I just take a little note on my phone and then I go back and, and send a, a quick email to the to the parent. You know, our, our district has sort of parent communication channels mm -hmm. that are kind of 
built in electronically, you know, um, parent, mm-hmm. parent square and some of those sorts of things. So I use that often um, right. to, be able to get a little more information related to that. Um, you and know, you- also as the kids get older, um, you, I try and sort of connect with what they're doing in the school community outside of their classroom and their classes. So if they're in part of a club or if they're, um, if they, you know, um, are taking part in an assembly or something like that, trying to, to make sure that I understand a little bit, because that really points to their interests and it points to right. things that are important to them and conversations that they might want to have with other people um, about, you know, the latest and greatest thing that they've been doing. Um, and it's there available to me if I, if I take a minute to sort of think outside of the, you know, 45 minutes and that period during the day where I'm with them. Um, right. Right. Do do you feel like sometimes, um, I feel, sometimes I feel like we have to remind ourselves that we don't have just our agenda, right? We often yeah. come in with our agenda and then, but that's not the way to really connect with students. Yeah. 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 Like you do that. You know, it, it, it's funny because I try and have a big picture agenda and not a little picture agenda. I mean, I, you know, I think, Again, Brenda and I have talked about this before. The idea of having a an authentic com, uh, communication with an with a student or an authentic conversation, mm-hmm. um, those are very rarely my agenda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. and and so you know, if if that's where you think, you know, true communicative competence comes when they're you know able to communicate exactly that thought. Um, through their communication tools, um, and you understand it completely, then it's got it's got to start with them anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So I try and have a big picture agenda. You know, I know that I'm, you know, want them to understand, you know, navigational paths, let's say, of where their vocabulary is, or I want them to understand, you know, um, increase the different pragmatic functions that they're using their communication device for. But if I have too fine-tuned an agenda, if I have too fine-tuned, you know, in my mind how it's going to go today, um, it, it it's very mechanical, right? I'm, right? I might get through it and I might have done what it is my goal is, but right. uh, I don't walk away with the same level of satisfaction about their communication than I do when right. I follow their lead, when when I don't hold too tightly to what my agenda was. Right. And yeah. your connection is probably much better when you're following their agenda, right? Yeah. For sure. I mean, and every every session subsequent to that one kind of circles back to that one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you had one of those really authentic communications, even if it's sort of like, oh, well, gosh, I wish we could continue talking, but time is up and we've got to move on, you know, the bell rings mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I find myself circling back to that because it's like I want to recapture that level of authenticity in the communication. And it's the best jumping off point to have that happen again and more and more and more, right? Is to take that first original, you know, you know, spotlight into what's important to them and what's happening with them and what they want to talk about. 
Um, and I want to recreate that. I want that to come back again in the next session. So I find myself circling back and going, hey, you know, last time you were telling me about blah, blah, blah. How did, how did mm-hmm. that turn out or, or whatever? Right. And I try prompting because I want to get there again. I want to get to that same, you know, level of, of authentic communication again. Right. Um, yeah, I think there's, I think that's so great. I, I know when I get to the end of a session, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm writing down for data or goals, right. but this was amazing. I know I've hit the mark. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I want to write a goal that says they told me something I didn't already know because that is mm-hmm. communication. And then we'd meet, we'd meet the goal every time, right? Like I want to yeah. write them broad right. enough where I can capture the magic. The other thing about the follow-up, Cassie, is, hey, we, last week we talked about this. How'd that go? I was listening. And I believed you. And I I Mm -hmm. think that you said what you meant to say. And some of that stuff that gets lost, right? When we're trying to take data or we we want, we need to know what they, the the goal was so we can measure if it was correct and all that jazz. We get, we, we um, lose that human connection piece that is communication too. And um, I love the, um, the parent piece. I think it was super um, exposed when we went into lockdown and I'm, I'm on the family side. A lot of times I, I do both, you know, I, I, I consult with the school districts and the schools would say, I can't get this mom to call me back. And then I'd be at the, I'd be at the home and the mom's like, I'm not calling them back. I don't even know who they are. I haven't had my IEP yet. So I haven't met any of my therapists yet. And it was like, we have got to connect with people more than once a year at the IEP meeting. The IEP meeting is hands down, one of the parents' not favorite day. And it's now most of our favorite days. So it's like, if that's the only time we're making connections with families, we're doing it wrong anyways. So I love everything about that. Making sure that you understand the whole person requires that parent input. Also the piece about you saying, um, so they told me something. So I check in with parents and say, hey, they said this. Because you're also saying, they said this, I believe them, I want to know more. You know what I'm saying? You're modeling that for them, that they told me this. And if they say, oh, that was a show on TV, it's still true what they, that they, that they're telling you something Mm -hmm. they're interested in. And most of the time I'm completely shocked whenever we do writing samples and I send them home or, or sometimes I'll put it on Google docs so parents can see them share the doc. They're like, oh my gosh, that happened. I mean, they didn't tell you all the information, but let me fill in the gaps, you know? So Mm -hmm. definitely um, you're modeling that I'm taking them for their word I'm, um, I want to know more about who they are. And those parents will say, well, the one chick is cool because she knows she gets my kid. Mm-hmm. You know, when the parents are talking about going into an IP meeting and meeting staff, well, so-and-so is pretty great. Cause I, I know she gets my kid. What is that? What does that actually look like? That's yeah. what you're talking about. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I'm outside of marking plural S you right. know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you might've met that goal, but you didn't meet the goal, the big goal. Yeah. And I find, you know, um, there are, there's mechanics about the IEP, right? When you sit in an IEP meeting, it's sort of like, we know the things that we got to get through in whatever allotted amount of time that there is. And, you know, while, while we pay a lot of, you know, homage, if you will, to the idea that this is a collaborative process and the IEP <laughs> gets written together as a team, et cetera. You know, then reality hits you in the face and, and, and you know, you realize to get through this in the hour of time that's allotted, um, you know, you have to do these things ahead of time, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure you dot all the I's and cross all the T's and all the mm-hmm. appropriate check boxes are checked and Compliance. all the 
the dates are correct and you know when services start and end and all these yeah kinds of stuff that that there are mechanical things about it that just make actually having that process be collaborative and be a dialogue and all those sorts of things is really really challenging mm-hmm. right um and so if you haven't established that relationship and you've had a semi semi ongoing conversation um with these families of these kids who have these sort of you know um intense needs mm-hmm. that meeting is just going to be mechanical mm-hmm. you know it, it's going to mm-hmm. be an obligation it's an obligation mm-hmm. that everybody is there um so that we can record your attendance um and that you know we can sort of say there was representation from all you know all of the okay. different domains that this student has needs in etc all those mechanical things and um it is it's not where you're going to find anything out about this right. kid, really. I mean, you know, you you might get, you know, an, an oh, by the way, you know, we've changed his medication or or, or something to that effect. Right. But, but in, in terms of understanding exactly what, you know, your student might be interested in communicating about or during right. that they've got that you've helped them develop the the tools and the and the means to be able to sort of really authentically, you know, show the world who they are. That's not going to happen mm-hmm. in that IEP meeting. No, right. particularly if you haven't had any conversations with that with that family beforehand. Right, right, right. So, Cassie, I can tell that um you're about the relationships and whether it's with student, the family, everyone, right? And I assume that you're also about the relationships with um, people who you're working with and either partnering with or training. Um, And that is probably one of your guiding principles that doesn't change, right? (laughs) No matter when you started doing this to now, I'm curious, are, are there other guiding principles that have stayed regardless of advancements in technology or in yeah. other things? Yeah. I, I, you know, over the course of my career, you know, I'm going to say it. Unfortunately, <laughs> my role has sort of changed more from working, you know, really more directly with the kids to um, helping other staff, you know, building the capacity, building the, building the knowledge mm-hmm. base and building the, um, passion, I hope, um, mm-hmm. in, in my colleagues and those that do the direct service with the kids um, and and to sort of, you know, spread, I don't know, I, you know, spread the, you know, spread the the commitment, if you will, to, to you know, it, helping these kids have the best programs and to achieve the best that they possibly can, you know, I, and yeah, there are some things that, you know, I kind of use as my touchstones along the way um, when I interact with these people, you know, uh, like I try and impart to to newer um, therapists that, you know, there's never just one right way. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think people come out of programs or they, mm-hmm. you know, open the box of the brand new communication device and they turn it on and, you know, what they see, they feel like that that's that's got to be the right way, <laughs> you know, sure. otherwise, why would they have put it in this device if that wasn't the right way? Mm-hmm, um, right. And trying to help them understand that there isn't, you know, there's never just one right way uh, to mm-hmm. do things. And I think, you know, um, when we add the technology on top of 
the the learning goals for this kid. So they've got literacy goals and they've got math goals and they've got, you know, social emotional learning goals and they've got, you know, behavior goals, et cetera, that, that when we layer a technology on top of it, all of a sudden the technology becomes um, the way to achieve everything. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, reminding people that there's just no one right way um, that to address some component of their program through low tech is, a lot of times the best way for that piece, mm -hmm. you know, they get stuck in the idea that, okay, this tool is, is now the do all and the end all for this student. Right. And I try and, you know, make sure people understand there's just, there's more than one right, right way. It's not, I'm right mm -hmm. and you're wrong. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, there's different ways of looking at it. Um, right. But I think you know, touched on that, but like, yeah. like coming out of grad school, depending on your grad school and no dig on mine, but I'm pretty sure they're all the same. And that, I mean, the, you know, SLPs in particular tend to be high strung type A ish people. And, <laughs> <say> that. <laughs> and, and then the programs kind of require perfection. I mean, you have to have a 4.0 to get in and it's competitive and then we have to keep it and you've got to, you know, you've got to, the bar is, is high and the way you are graded even clinically is yeah. is that gains are made in our tech and all the other things and you're not doing a lot of AAC anyways in in that program so you're getting out with this um I don't want to do it wrong mentality and I don't know if it's the generation I don't know if it's grad school in general I don't know if it's our field I don't know if it's all of the above it kind of doesn't matter the source because we probably can't change all that now if you're working with someone that's coming out of that and is afraid to fail yeah then that, that also means they're not afraid to take a risk so how are you coaching people or encouraging them to go try it? What's yeah. big deal if it fails? Because I feel like people don't aren't okay with that. Yeah. Well, and some of that comes with experience, experience right? Because you've seen the other ways, but they haven't yet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think a couple of things. I think as a person in a, in a mentorship sort of role, you have to be willing to um, own your own mistakes, too. So quite often, you know, I'll sort of tell people, oh, oh my gosh, you know, well, when I first tried to do X, Y, Z, you know, it was a total failure and, mm -hmm. and just try and sort of, you know, model, if you will, um, the idea that we all go outside, you know, when you, when you color outside the lines, you know, when you're willing to go outside the box, um, sometimes you're going to fail and it's going to be, you know, a glorious failure. And then other times, you okay. know, you're going to say, I hit the nail on the head that mm -hmm. that really worked. Right. Um, but I think as as mentors and, and and as people who are trying to sort of like, you know, build capacity, bring up the the new professionals coming behind us, I think it's really important to to own what didn't work as well as what did work um, and be willing to talk about that. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I try and sort of basically, you know, tell people it's, well, it's just, you know, I'm not brilliant. It's just cause I've been around a heck of a long time <laughs> and I've done this for a heck of a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll, you know, you learn pieces along the way. Um, mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I think there is this, um, this is their first position and, you know, somebody sort of says, okay, well, this kid is on your caseload and they have a conception that they're supposed to be an expert about yeah. everything this child might need from the get go. Mm -hmm. And, and, 
none of us got there overnight. None of us walked out, you know, with our mortarboard on our head and said, okay, now we're an expert and we're going to know the answer to everything. Um, And just, you know, giving them permission to sort of say, look, you know, the only reason why, you know, I'm suggesting this and I think this might be a better thing to do than what you're doing is because I made the same mistake myself or, or I tried it myself and it didn't work very well or, you know, whatever, or, you know, I, I worked with one of these things, you know, before they were electronic, (laughs) when they were mechanical and Mm -hmm. this is how they work kind of, kind of thing. Um, I I love that idea of the not being the expert that's come up before. I know Brenda's talked about that too. And I think that took a while for me. I remember my first IEP meeting and I remember thinking these parents want me to be the expert. And then it took a while for me to realize if I'm saying I'm the expert to these parents on this first time meeting their kid, right, or working with their student, that that is not what they're thinking. They yeah. they want the relationship and all that good stuff that we talked about before um, yeah. and to have ideas, but to be open to work with them. And right. I think the other thing I try and try and, you know, impart to other people is, you know, the perception that that they're going to, you're going to sit with a student and you're going to, going to, you know, not understand their ver- nonverbal language because, you know, you're new to the, the relationship between the two of you. You're, you know, that, you know, you had your, you had your great plan set out of what's going to happen and it's just bombed it. You know, mm-hmm. you thought they were going to do X and, and it's obviously, you know, too difficult, whatever that, you know, I always sort of go from the premise when I'm working with an individual to basically when when you're not having success to sort of say, look, it's not you, it's me, right? It's always, it's mm-hmm. not you, it's me. It's mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, I wasn't paying close enough attention to your nonverbal communication in order to understand that. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I made a mistake. I misjudged what we were supposed to do today, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, I didn't do my homework to understand how this program worked well enough because, you know, we have these, these horrendous, you know, technology fails, et cetera. But, mm-hmm. you know, I always try and sort of set the premise that's sort of like, it's not you, it's me, you know, mm-hmm. the, the failure's not you, the failure's me with a student because, and that it's okay that we can all admit <laughs> that, you know, I didn't pay close enough attention. I didn't do the prep that I should have done to understand this before I introduced it to you. You know, that right. I, you know, I don't know where that particular word is stored, darn it, yeah. you know, et cetera. So, so I, I try and, and give them permission to kind of, you know, go into work with their kids with that attitude that's sort of like, you know what, when when things just aren't going well, you know, it's okay to own it. Just, just own it and sort of say, you know what? It's not you. It's me, kiddo. Yeah. You yeah, know, sorry about great. that. I will try and do better next time. Well, in, and in I think if you're way. doing that, not in a speech room by yourself, meaning if right. you're, if you're pushing in, if you're in a general ed or a, or a special ed classroom and doing that, then you're modeling that. Like, I don't know where that word is either. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I don't know how to do that on this device either, I guess, or Wow. So when um, we can't get this thing to turn on, plan B looks like low tech. Let's go. You know, so you're kind of like, it's not, it's never the student's fault, but also you're showing how you're being out loud about the way you're thinking about things. And I think Mm -hmm. that um, 
you know, you can do as much continuing ed as you want in a classroom setting in a closing the gap in an ATIA or a modules online. But until you see someone in action, fumble around and get get 30 minutes in and they they haven't had a lot of responses, but what they did get was meaningful and call it, call it good. Nobody's getting eight out of 10 because they're not getting that. They're not getting that far, but, but that far um, in the, on the data collection, but you're getting, you're getting somewhere. They're understanding you're talking out loud about how we're going to communicate using this and what you're going to, what you're going to accept as communication, meaning if it's not a complete sentence or those kinds of things, right. That we can, you you can tell someone they can be in a class and hear that it's different to watch you yeah. do it mm-hmm. and have them go, got it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, when I have professionals who, who maybe, you know, have asked for a consult or whatever, mm-hmm. and they haven't really worked with me before. And they, they ask me the question of, of, you know, well, what is it that you're going to do? <laughs> so, right. gonna, so, so, you know, the SLP put in a referral for you to come and, and work with this kid or observe this kid in my classroom. What is it that you're going to do? Um, mm-hmm. And I just, you know, nine times out of 10, it's sort of like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I can't tell you ahead of time exactly what I'm going to do. It's, a, it's more right. dynamic than that, you know, right. but I, what I can tell you is that what I do, I'm doing not only to, you know, be evaluative of the student or assess the student, but I'm demonstration teaching, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of like when, when I jump in and sort of, you know, the moment I enter that, that classroom and engage with, mm-hmm. with anybody in that classroom, um, in my head, I'm modeling. I mean, in, in mm-hmm. my head and, and, you know, I walk into the classroom that way and that's, and that's one of my mentorships sort of things, you know, there, there's, there's sort of, I don't know if I, you know, if this was something I, I tried to think back about, it. I think maybe it was Girl Scouts. I don't know. But the idea <laughs> of, you know, um, if you walk in with the attitude to say, I, I'm going to leave this place a little bit better than I found it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Girl Scouts or whatever it was. So you, you know, see a piece of trash, you pick it up. If you, you right. Know, right. Leave but, no trace. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, but I try and have that same attitude in a classroom. So when I come in and I know, you know, just by virtue of me walking in the door, I've, I've changed the dynamic in that classroom, right? Because I'm another mm-hmm. adult and, mm-hmm. and all these kinds mm-hmm. of things. And so I try and keep in, in mind, and my goal is to leave that classroom a little bit better than I found it to begin with, not only for that student, but perhaps in a, in a bigger sense. And, and by, the, by that, I mean, it's sort of like, if I feel like I've, I share an idea with the teacher, and it's sort of like after sort of, you know, observing and this kind of thing, I sort of say, hey, you know, I did that a couple, you know, a couple of years ago. And, you know, have you ever seen X, Y, Z? And you might want to check it out, you know, by sharing an idea, sharing a a story, maybe sort of something that happened to me in relation to what they were doing or kind of a trick mm-hmm. of the trade. Um, or I can provide them with a, a tool or a strategy. Um, I try and do that in the moment right there. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I have a lot of things in my, in my, you know, laptop case that I sort of bring into the classrooms with me when I go that are just little things. And nine times out of 10, you know, I picked them up from the vendor booths at some place like ATIA or, mm-hmm. or closing the gap or whatever. But I try mm-hmm. and bring, you know, a bookmark or a magnet or a, a poster or, or something um, that I pull out of my bag there that, that, 
you know, is just sort of a way to say, hey, I, I saw you. I saw what you did in your classroom. I I appreciate what you do. And I want, you know, I want to share this with you because I just sort of feel like, you know, as specialists, we kind of come in and out of people's classrooms and, you know, I watch myself do it and I watch others do it. And when I, you know, I've seen others do it where they just kind of come in and they have their notebook and their pencil or whatever, and they stand in the back of the room and then they disappear without even a goodbye. Thanks a lot, et cetera. And I I approach Uh it really differently. I try and approach my, my time in their classroom as a, Hey, you know, my only agenda is to, to, share with you whatever I can mm-hmm. um, to make life easier for you and for this kiddo that we're, we're looking yeah. at. And, and so um, I try and sort of take those things with me when I, when I go into people's rooms in their domains, you know, I'm a guest right. in their domain. So, right. so I try and my, make myself, you know, it's, you know, your mother taught you when you're a guest at somebody's house and you get up in the morning, you, you know, make the bed behind you or whatever. I mean, I try and I try right. and take that same attitude when I'm visiting other people's, you know, classrooms yeah. that they worked very hard to create as, you know, the environment that they want it to be. And and I'm the guest. Uh-huh. So and, I have and they're busy. Like- they're they're busy. Oh, sorry, Brenda. In their yeah, in their classroom. And so yeah. you're you want your time to be valuable and yeah. meaningful. And I love that idea of um, having that conversation and then they've connected. And then I just wanted to say for, for those listening who haven't been to ATA or a conference, you know, that you're talking <laughs> about like little swag that you'll pick yeah. up like a, yeah. a bookmark or a core board sometimes. And you can get these things from your vendors. If you call the AAC vendors say, Hey, I, I know you have core boards or calendars or things. Yeah. And I love that idea that then you can leave that with them. Yeah. 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 Oftentimes what I'll do is if I've been to one of those conferences, when I get home, I'll call up my local rep and sort of say, Hey, I saw they were handing out X, Y, Z at the booth. You know, if you got 30 or 40 extra, send them my way, you know, kind right. of, thing. um, because I, I also try and sort of keep those on hand and, and hand those out to people when I do, when I do in services or trainings or professional development stuff as well, just it's a visual, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody wants mm-hmm. these visual reminders of, of, keeping, you know, keeping AAC or keeping, you know, the, the, the little catchphrases that, that we right. use um, in, in front of them. So I'm, you know, I give them a magnet to hang on their, on their file cabinet that hopefully is that little visual reminder. Mm. Right. So Cassie, if you're getting called in, it might be because somebody's already mad right? Mm-hmm. It might be a parent mad. It might be an, a, a teacher's mad. It might be, yep. you know, some, somebody, somebody might be feeling like what's supposed to happen isn't happening, which immediately for most adults creates defensiveness. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, you're coming in and where, how are you handling? Like, like, it'll be like, well, they just can't do that. Like I know everybody can do it, but him or like the, the, the one or the, the, the minority within the special ed classroom sometimes, right. The minority of the minority in the sense that it's like, everybody can do it, but that one. Mm -hmm. Um, so sometimes I'll be consulting on a whole classroom and they'll be like, well, she can't do that, but the rest of them. Yeah. Thanks so much. (laughs) And then I just, I don't, I can't let it go, but you know, so I guess, I guess I feel like it's two questions. One is how do you um, neutralize a situation that that you walk in and their defenses are going to be up. Now, remember 
nobody went in this because they didn't care. Everybody went into this right. from because they love kids and they want to help. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's a strategy. I don't know. But the other thing is, um, and then what about the one that they say, you know, yeah, but that that won't work with that one, yeah. you know? So yeah, how are but. you handling those? Right. <laughs> All the yeah, yeah buts, right? Yeah, the mm-hmm. yeah buts. Yeah. Um, you know, when I'm when I'm confronted with somebody who who starts out that way, you know, starts out with the we've tried it all, we've done it all, nothing works, they can't do it. You know, I basically sort of say, you know, I start out in a way communicating to them we're going to we're going to reset the narrative, right? And so I basically mm-hmm. sort of say we just haven't found it yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're going to just keep looking. We haven't found it yet. And and you know, I say something like, you know, and I, you know, have not found, <laughs> you know, the perfect car yet either or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is that that right. hits me that day mm-hmm. because there's a whole lot of things that, you know, we just haven't found the perfect thing yet. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. um, you haven't, I haven't found the per- perfect nail polish color yet or, or whatever. And, <laughs> right. and I try and just kind of, you know, kind of take the pressure off by, by making a quip of that sort to sort of mm-hmm. say, just haven't we, you know, just haven't found it yet. And so mm-hmm. it doesn't mean I'm not still looking right. <laughs> for right. it. And, you know, it, it's like maybe that. not the top of my time, um, my mind every day. It doesn't need to be the top of your mind every day. But, right. you know, we all have to agree that we just haven't stopped looking and we're going to yeah. continue to look for those things. And I think, you know, um, again, that coupled with the it's not you, it's me, <laughs> getting mm-hmm. them to get to the place that basically sort of says, you know, we have to quit saying that kid can't do that. that That's not right for them. And basically sort of say, we haven't figured out what's right for you. <laughs> we mm-hmm. haven't figured out, you know, um, what motivates you. We haven't figured out whatever the obstacle needs, needs to be. You know, I, I try and couple those two things together that, that regardless of what's happened in the past, we're going to start with today and move forward from today. And then the, you know, the idea that, and we just haven't, you know, we just haven't figured it out yet. Um, right. I love that. Yeah. And that's validating for that person who is yeah. having a real feeling, right? They're, they're frustrated or, or yeah, they're, they're like Brenda said, they're coming at it with, because they want the best for this student, but that's validating, but it, it moves on quickly to, okay, so now let's figure this out. And yeah. it's, I, yeah. I love that a lot. Yeah. You know, I spent a I spent a number of years in private practice, and and the practice was really, you know, we didn't we were contractors to the school district, so you know, yeah, nine times out of ten, we got called in when you know, when when the two parties could no longer talk to each other. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's sort of like there was there was conflict. We got called in because there was conflict, and we got yeah. called in because you know, there was a perception that, that, that within whatever organization, school districts, you know, school clinic, whatever, that there wasn't, you know, there wasn't there, they weren't going to reach a, a, a collaborative 
agreement, you know, without sort of somebody looking from the outside kind of thing. So, so that idea of starting in where people sort of say, well, you know, we've tried that and it didn't work. Well, you know, this kid's never going to be able to do that, et cetera. That, you know, that was just, just about every, every situation we stepped into was, was, was a version of that. And, and, you know, sometimes it takes a little while, but you have to kind of keep sort of saying the past is history. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to look at this fresh. We're going to look at this mm-hmm. with new eyes. And, um, you know, because kids change, people change. Right. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you might've had a history and you, there might be all this, you know, well-documented attempts of, of things that maybe weren't, weren't as successful as people hoped they would be, but we're going to, we're, at some point you, y'all need to let go of that. At some point we all need to sort of let go and say, let's, you know, let's start at the very beginning. Um, right. Very good place right. to start. Kind of. Oh, kind of, I always do that. You know, um, <laughs> I, yeah. I remember um, like st- working with a student and I was new to this student and um, he was older and thinking, okay, well, he has tried agates, but that didn't, sounds like it didn't really work. And he has tried this. So I can't do those things because it's already been tried. Right. Or, and sometimes mm. you get too kind of wrapped up in in that. So I love that idea of let's start new, but we're still going to remember the things that have been done and work. And and that's important to, yeah. you know, what he's learned in, in his experience, but um, that it's okay to say, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you have to remember that, it was, you know, uh, the student might be feeling those very same failures as well. And mm-hmm. my God, have they heard people talk about what a failure it's been? <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, when you, when you, when you stop and think about it and, you know, the more conversations that, you know, have come to pass prior to, you know, y- your new start, however that right. happens, uh, you know, nine times out of 10, that's happened it happened, number one, it happened to the student, you know, right, and all these yeah. people are representing the right, failure right. Of, the, of the student, you know, to these, right. to each other. Um, you know, you have, you have to be aware that, that they've got ears and they, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and they've, they've been a part of, part of that too. They're so, knowing the frustration. You know, yeah. And right. a lot of times, sometimes the icebreaker is when I get people to, acknowledge that and realize that um their attitudes and their um frustrations and their um you know dealing with their own sense of failure is um is having effect on that student and and they'll realize okay I've got to turn this around because I need to turn it around for this kid yeah right I need I need this kid to get better and more messages than you know, you can't do it. You're a failure. We're never going to be able to figure this out. Right. You know, you're not doing it right. If you only did it better, you know, then it would right. work kind, kind of thing. And I think right. we, we forget about that sometimes as the adults mm-hmm. trying to do the problem solving, we forget that, you know, for that student, that's a, that's personal, that's a personal failure to them. Right. Uh, Right. And I don't think any of us are in this job and have chosen to do what we do if um, we think that that's what we're doing, going around making well, kids no. feel like failures, yeah. you know, no. I mean, passion in now if that's what I'm doing. Right. Um, and you just people need reminding of that sometimes. So I think what, you're right. What about when you are in a situation and you're like, 
you're sensing burnout mm-hmm. from the SLP, the, the the special ed teacher, everybody involved. And but 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 here we are, and it's November, so you have the rest of the year, right? Right? <laughs> it's like how how do you? I don't know. How do you counsel or mentor people that seem like they um they're they're at an end and, and, and we're not at the end. I mean, yeah. we're not at the end of the year, we're not at the end of the problem, we're not at the end of any of this. How do you how do you kind of break that shatter that shell and get to the get to the inside of that? Oh, that's a really good question. How do I do that? Um, you know I know you do it. i'm I'm thinking of a particular situation um that's sort of at the present time and and i i guess the place i start with is you know trying to approach adults and adults learning okay so adult learning is different than kid learning i mean you know there's a whole lot of more i don't know emotional overlay (laughs) with Mm -hmm. with adult learning you know there's a whole lot of of more self self critique and self analysis and all that kind of stuff that happens that you know kids kids aren't thinking quite so meta right they don't think right about, why is it I'm reacting the way I'm reacting right. I just react right right but but, but the, so there's that that layer with adults and I guess um, you know when I, when I'm sort of faced with a professional and I sort of see that I see this sort of like wow this person is just really um, has kind of disengaged from the mm-hmm. process of of problem solving, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of like you know they get burned out, and I think they've just they disengage from the from the process of of trying to find solutions. Mm-hmm. They see only problems; they don't mm-hmm. see solutions. I basically, you know, try and approach them and sort of say, "Look, I don't know your story." Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you got here. I don't. And, and, but, but I'm going to validate that um, you didn't get to sort of this place because you wanted to, you didn't get to this place because, because, you know, you don't like being a teacher anymore or you don't like right. kids or whatever. I, you know, I, I don't know your story, but I know that's not how you got here. I don't, mm-hmm. I know that's not why you got here. So, so what can I do to help you move from that, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know, starting by asking the questions, um, what would be most helpful to you? If there was mm-hmm. one thing I could do for you, um, mm-hmm. if there was one thing that I could maybe help create, you know, a solution for, what would that be? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of times it's the I just need. I just need more help. I just need more aids in my classroom. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. need more adult bodies to do the things that I know need to be done for these kids, mm-hmm. but I just don't have the manpower to do it. So I just need more aids. And I'm just sort of like, well, that's not within my ability to be able to right. give you right. more personnel, but is there something that I can give you that would help, you know, this kid have a little more time where they can do things independently without the need of an adult. How about mm-hmm. if I do that, you know, and, and, and so I try and kind of, kind of turn it around and admit when it's 
something that, you know, I can't give them because, you know, when the teacher sat there, sat there and said, I need more aids in my class, she knew perfectly well, I did not have the capability right. of giving that to her. Right. Sure. I mean, but, but she's like, really invested that. in that narrative that, that yeah. she's invested in the narrative that it doesn't get better without more aids yeah. and because they say it every day. So they're, they're building yeah. that narrative too. Yeah. And, and, you know, she, she knew perfectly well, I didn't have the capability to right. do that, but, but I listened you know, I mm-hmm. listened that that's an, I validated that. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. You know, every classroom I go in has unfilled, you know, assistance positions or that yeah. are being filled by, by sub sure. or temporary employees. Mm-hmm. And I know that's super frustrating. Unfortunately, I can't do anything about that, but you know, again, it's sort of like, but if I can make your kid a little less independent, a little more independent, less dependent on an mm-hmm. aide having to be right there beside them, would that help? And right. then what are they going to say? No, that won't help. I mean, of right. course, right. Won't help, right? Right. And, right. But I've at least sort of thrown out the carrot. At least I've thrown out, well, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not here to, you know, I'm here to listen to what's getting in your way and to empathize and to, and to understand and to validate. Yes, I see that that's an issue. But I've also at least said, but can I leave this place a little bit better than I found it? Can Mm -hmm. I help find a way for this kid to be a little more independent when they're doing their reading? I don't know, whatever. Um, And that's a small step that helps you, you know, be able to have more coverage for other kids, whatever. But but I try and sort of take that approach to it um, because teaching is hard. Yeah, what we're yeah. asking teachers to do in these classrooms every day is mm-hmm. hard. It yeah. is it is underappreciated. So, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here. We all we all know these things, but you know, we all need that validation once in a while that says you're working really hard, and yeah. you know, it's still not meeting your expectations. You aren't meeting your own personal expectations, yeah. but mm-hmm. you're working you're working really hard, and you're doing the best with what you got. Um, so do you I, take the same approach if you were to go into a classroom where you're, all you're seeing is babysitting? Are you like, is your same approach is let's change one thing or is there more to it? I guess my approach to that, um, is the same in the moment. It's different in the long term, right? Okay. So if I go into a situation and I find, you know, uh, I find a, a teacher parked behind the desk and just kind of barking commands at the people around them and sitting behind their desk in in front of their laptop. Um, And, and, you know, just, just sort of doing that, you know, teaching from a distance kind of perspective. Yeah. I'll, I'll still focus on one thing because let's be serious. I'm, I'm there for an hour an hour and a mm-hmm. half maybe in their classroom. And it was, you know, they've waited six weeks for me to to, to come and do the observation and, right. and to see the kid in their classroom. And I try and leave them and I try and focus on on one thing. Yeah. Sort of like let's let's do this one thing. But in my head, I've got the big picture that says um, there's a whole lot of things happening or not happening here that mm-hmm. is impacting not only the kid that I was asked to come and observe or look at or you know help find solutions for but the you know the group as a whole and so I'll focus on that one thing that I was asked to kind of come and do and find that one thing but in my head it says I'm saying and next time 
I'm going to be prepared to do this thing that talks about instruction to the whole group. And then the right. time after that, I'm going to do the thing that says engineering the classroom environment to benefit not only the kid they asked me for, but this is going to benefit all the kids. Right. right. And, you know, and, and so I already have a plan in my head that basically sort of says, I'm not going to attack it right now and sort of say, well, we've got to change this entire classroom. That's right. not, right. that's not going to go over. Right. That's no. not going to do anybody no. any good. It's, it's so I focus on the immediate first, but mm-hmm. in the back of my head, I'm developing a plan that sort of says, Everything I do at this point forward is going to benefit this kid, but it's going to benefit them all mm-hmm. right. um, and try and sort of do it that way. That you kind of answered part of my question. I was just thinking about when you were talking about your um, mentorship style and your collaboration, um, the way your collaborations work. So you will go in and you're listening to the teacher and and problem solving and you have you have ideas, but you're listening to what their idea is. And then um, work with this model with the student. And then I was going to ask you what follow-up looks like. It sounds like you have follow-up planned um, in mind. But can you talk a little bit about what, how you have that structured? Do you go back a certain number of times or? Well, <laughs> that's pretty fluid. I mean, I, I mean, and I, and I think it, truthfully, I think it has to be, um, and you know, there are constraints, um, that you as a professional have based on, you know, the model of your service delivery mm-hmm. in your district yeah. or your, mm-hmm. or your consortium or, or, or whatever it is, whatever, whatever, um, administration you're working within, you know, there are going to be constraints related mm-hmm. to that, but, but, you know, what I try and do and and when I need to go back to my administration to maybe go out and do more visits or or to say, you know, this is more of an ongoing process. And this was true when I was in private practice, et cetera, is, you know, I, I go back and sort of inform administration and basically sort of say, hey, look, I was I was out there. I, you know, I did my original consultation. I wrote up my consultation note, et cetera. But but you know what? When I was in there, I had some ideas about things that I think might be beneficial to all the students in this class. And, you know, when you're when you're working with a school district, quite often, for better or for worse, quite often, it's the sort of like, and if I get in there now and if I can make some of, you know, some of these changes happen, you might not be spending so many meetings with lawyers. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you might right. not be spending so many meetings in fair hearings. You might not right. be spending so much time in backtracking and mm-hmm. try and sort of, you know, address the grievances, um, whether they're, you know, grievances from the teachers union or grievances from families or or whatever, you know, the, mm-hmm. the more I can, the more I can sort of get in there early on and maybe see some of these changes or help affect some of these changes, um, it's an investment, right? And so right, I try right. and sort of encourage them that that it's that it's an investment. Same approach with the teacher. I, I try and encourage them and sort of say, hey, ha, you know, I'm going to come back in a couple of weeks and I'm going to bring X with me to show you this thing because I think this would be a really good investment of your time that would have lots of payoffs for, for all your kids, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, I I was saying to somebody the other day that I I feel like public schools are sort of <laughs> it is sort of like in in the educational arena, if you will, 
we are the last bastions of equity, right? Mm-hmm. You're a private school. You can accept who you want to accept. You cannot accept who you want to accept. Mm-hmm. Don't want right. to accept. You can, you know, you can serve the kids whose families have the ability to be able to pay your tuition and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, on and on and on. Right. And, and, or if you're, if you're a clinic, you can, you know, you can, you can serve the kids for, you know, a burst of 12 sessions. And then, you know, you're, right. you don't have to worry about them again, kind of thing. And, and I just feel like that, that, you know, we have a responsibility to be able to sort of make changes where we can see um, that they would Im- improve the outcomes for as many kids as we possibly can, because, mm-hmm. you know, all kids having a, having the ability to be able to to benefit from their education is it's why we're here it's what we do and right. and you know we we uh, we're challenged beyond what's you know private places and right. clinics etc we're tre- challenged beyond what they're challenged for because yeah. mm-hmm. we are you know we are we are there right. to make sure that they all have a chance and an opportunity right. so so you know I just try and make teachers remember that I try and sort of, you know, bring in what I can to just basically sort of say, I'm, let's see if they all have a chance to Mm -hmm. see what they can do in literacy. You know, Mm -hmm. let's, 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 let's bring, you know, decoding back into your classroom because who knows, you know, they Mm -hmm. all have a chance to, to try and, and learn how to read visually and not just, you know, because they're 12 decide that, you know, audiobooks is the only thing that they're going to be exposed to right you know that that sort of thing it's sort of like well let's let's give it a shot it's it's Mm -hmm. our our job to give it a shot it's our job yeah Yeah. I love that I love that well um we we want to end our conversation with a question for you personally um is is there anything that people something you might, people might not know about you that you'd want to share, or maybe it's new interest area or project. You know, I don't, I don't know. I thought I, because I knew you were going to ask this one, I I thought about it a little bit and I asked a couple other people. Um, And it's really funny because most people sort of say, well, no, I don't think there's anything in particular, you know, that you don't sort of present as you Uh present yourself. But I guess if the, I guess, guess if there's one thing, um, it would be sort of that, you know, um, I'm a speech pathologist by training, but I'm a teacher. I mean, it's sort of like, I'm, you know, I've just kind of a natural teacher, Mm -hmm. if you will. It's sort of like Mm -hmm. that, that's kind of the thing. And I sort of feel like that, um, you have to give yourself permission to, to, to share what you know. Right. And sort of like, I I feel like the thing that's, that's important to me, you know, I don't actually feel like I'm an expert in, in anything. I feel Mm -hmm. like I've been around a long time Mm -hmm. and I've had lots of, uh, you know, good people who I've, who've mentored me, um, mm-hmm. and who have shared their knowledge with me, um, mm-hmm. and shared their learned experiences with me. And so, you know, what I try and do in the way I approach most, most everything in my life is that, 
well, I'm a teacher, so I'm going to teach. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to share what I know. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm a learner, right? I'm a teacher and right. a learner. And so right. I'm going to, I'm going to share with you when, you know, something I've learned, it's sort of like, Hey, I just learned this thing. And I thought it was really interesting, or I, mm-hmm. you know, it worked really well or whatever. Um, um, so I, I try and, you know, take the attitude that I'm a lifelong learner, and then I'm just going to share and talk about the things that I learned because that right. excites me. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that makes me a teacher, right? When you share right. what you've learned, right. it makes you a teacher. And so, right. so you know, while my title might say speech pathologist, I'm, you know, my title in the school district is a TOSA, a teacher on special assignment. And, okay. and I like that, you know, they, yeah. they wanted mm-hmm. to change it this year to, uh, what was it? Um, educator on special assignment. And I'm, I'm kind of refusing to change right. <laughs> yeah. just going along because that that's how I view myself. I view myself yeah. as my job is to be, is to be a teacher wherever I can. Love that. I do too. Love that. And I love that part of being a teacher is, is um, being a student and listening yeah. and learning. And you've talked about that throughout our conversation and beginning mm-hmm. with that first student that you learned from. Yeah. Um, and I was oh, thinking I about that. some of the questions we didn't get to is like, how do we move the field forward? And that that kind of answers that too, right? Mm-hmm. We you we only move forward if we know where we've come from. And so one of them is it's it's talking about your past failures, like oh we had we didn't even have this, so we did that and that bombed, right? So th- so then they made this, right? So it's like kind of understanding that and moving the field forward in saying I'm going to share what I know. So because that's how I feel. I like I don't want anyone to. I want people to enter the field knowing what I know, because that's then, 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 you know, when you talk to them in 30 years, they're farther along, right? It doesn't really work that way, but you do want to help people um, maybe um, know, you know, learn what you know, learn, you know, it might've taken you 10 years to learn it, but maybe I can figure out a way to, <laughs> that you wouldn't have to take 10 years to learn this part or that part, right? Because right, then it moves right. people forward. So well, we really appreciate you and um, I, we appreciate all that you have to offer and the way that you do it, I think makes it so palpable, even for people who, um, you know, aren't asking, right? Because sometimes that happens, even for people who aren't, don't know that they're ready for change. I think you have a way of softening that. And it's like, well, maybe I can do one thing. Yeah. And I like mm-hmm. that. I like that. Mm-hmm. One thing. Sometimes it's just, it's kind of like, you know, the next, the next best thing is just one thing, right? The next one thing. Yeah. So I love leaving um, everybody, the audience with, with that idea of what's one thing I can change. Cause if you start, if you sit down with your hundred caseload and you know, you're, you're, you're bon- you're going to go bonkers. So if you say, what's one thing I can change, what's one thing, what's one thing I could do that would make the biggest impact or what's one thing I could do with one student. Right. It, right. What it does is it brings in um, that creative thinking and you get excited again and you remember why you're doing this and you're you have an attitude shift. And yeah. that is that's a big deal. You know, yeah, it, it's that whole thing, you know, I, and again, you know, it, I really, truly I'm not just saying I really, truly do this. I walk into a classroom and say, I'm going to leave having imparted one good thing, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to leave this place one little bit better than when I walked in the door. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, what that thing ends up being, you know, 
it could be a million different things, but, but if I, if I think about it that way, and sometimes I even sort of say to the teacher, okay, you know, I've been here 45 minutes and I'll be damned, but I'm going to leave here, you know, having done at least one good thing for you. And, and they appreciate that. That sometimes <laughs> is, is the thing that breaks the ice. You know, right. you're on their side. I well, I appreciate it that that you're trying to to do something good for me. Right. You know, right. um, and sometimes that'll just be the icebreaker with with the teacher that has just sort of like, why are you here? And I don't understand why they think I need you. But, but if they know my attitude is, you know, it's my challenge to leave here having, having imparted one good thing to you, you know, right. one thing that you think is valuable, then, then I've done my job that it, yeah. it really breaks the ice sometimes. So love that. And I mean, that transfers outside of the professional r- arena too. What if every door we walked through, we had that thought of leaving yeah. one good thing. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a world changer. So i I really appreciate that insight and that perspective. So thank you yes. for being on the podcast. We love you. We love this conversation. I'm so, so thankful you took the time out for us today. I appreciate being asked. So thanks. Thanks so thanks. much, Cassie. <laughs> okay. Take care.